afternoon and welcome to the latest edition of the FishCast. My name is Corey Long. I'll be navigating this ride for you today. Joining me as always is baseball youth coach extraordinaire, talent evaluator, all things in between, Charles Fishbein. How you doing, Fish? I think my coaching career <laughs> baseball may have ended last night, so it was fun while it lasted. It was fun while it lasted, but it will last no longer. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, the fighting fish binds got eliminated. Uh, thirteen was thirteen to twelve was the final score. Yeah, thirteen to twelve, man. Uh, our buddy Ethan did some catching though, which made they like he played every position this year. <laughs> well, he pretty much played every position last night that mattered. Catcher, and then he came out and pitched. So. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, you did what you could with uh, with what you had. I think. I think you did the best you could. No doubt. Yeah. Oh, you know, we got a great guest today, and a guest that we uh, we've been looking forward to having for a while, and we're just happy to have him back. Happy to have him uh, getting into health and you know getting back onto the swing of things as we head into the spring and the summer. Uh, our buddy Larry Bluestein. I don't, I don't, you know, I could spend all day giving a ton of accolades, but mostly I'm just happy that he's here and that he's able to join us today and uh, that he's going to be back out on the circuit this spring, this summer. And I hope he uh, paces himself well. So we're happy to have you in, Larry. How are you feeling? I'm doing good. Uh, after watching Charles's managing last night, I don't know, but I mean, that was, uh, whoo. It was a it was a school of fundamentally sound baseball, not. But I'll tell you what. Describe Fish's management style. I mean, is it kind of like where would you put him at on the pantheon of baseball managers? Is he kind of like a? I mean, where, where would you where would you put him at? Wow, that'd be kind of tough to kind of compare him to anybody. He he has more emotions than anyone I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> But I've known him for so long, so I know that he goes from the high to the low pretty quick. And uh, But I will tell you this, his son really dazzled. I uh, was really surprised because the last time I watched the kid play, uh, I never thought he would be like this. And uh, he, got, he, he could swing the bat. He, uh, he's a little bit of a hot dog, but I look who his old man is. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, but uh, yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you what, he's got a future. He strokes the ball pretty well. Um, he, he, like you said, he played basically uh, like four positions last night and, uh, did them all well. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm doing well. Thanks uh, for asking back in the full swing of things. Uh, got the, uh, referee scrimmage last week, eight teams and, uh, you know, and then going to a few practices in South Florida and, kind of planned out my summer where I'll be going to basically a lot of camps again. So, um, yeah, it's a new year, a lot, a lot of talent again throughout the state. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to talk a lot about, uh, everything that's happening in Florida from the, uh, the, the, the colleges to the, to the talent, to how they're being recruited, to how the, uh, how the transfer portal is affecting numbers. Um, and that, and I mean, really where I want to start is there is with the portal. Have you noticed 
have you noticed the portal really affecting numbers overall? I mean, we're in Florida's normally three, if my numbers, you know, my own research about 330, anywhere between 330 to 350 get FBS every year. Has that number dropped significantly as we've seen the portal get used more and more? I think what, what has happened is uh, the elite kids are still going, you know, to these schools. I just think it's the kids who are tweeners that are getting affected the most because you look at some, uh, you know, I'll take West Florida, for example. West Florida, if you look at their roster, they've got, oh, I'd say about 10 kids who could be playing at the FBS level. Uh, so it's kind of trickled down. Um for, for the kids who are the tweeners, uh, the elite kids are still going to go where they're going to go. And, and I think that, you know, you look at FSU, they're a perfect example of, of using the transfer portal to their advantage last year. Uh, Miami has done pretty well as, as well. Florida, not so much right now, but because they had some pretty good kids on board and they've, and you know what, you've got to fit the personality of the coach too. So when you, like Norvell is the type of guy, he seems like he could fit basically anybody, you know, because he's that type of guy. Mario and and um, uh, not so much, uh, you know, he's he's that type of guy where, you know, he's a he's a strong figure. He's uh, you've got to be be able to take his, you know, the, the way he coaches. I mean, you know, here's a guy, too, that kind of bit his tongue for five years under Nick Saban, Napier the same way. Uh, but look at how much they benefited and they learned and it changed their entire career around, but they're, they're guys that you have to get used to. I mean, you know, it's, it's basically their way of the highway. So uh, yeah, a couple of them have changed. Uh, but I think, uh, I think the portal is serving its purpose. Uh, I just think that kids and I'm sure official agree that are jumping out of a school with a scholarship for an unknown future. There's more people in that portal now that really have nowhere to go. And that's sad because even though you were a third teamer at one school, at least you're on scholarship, at least your education was getting paid. You know, you got to suck it up until you have something solid. I I, I think the portal is great for certain kids that, have the talent, you know, the Jamison Williams kids, but those kids, when they jump in the portal, they already pretty much know where they're going. Um, you know, Jameer Gibbs was one of those guys. He knew he was going to Alabama before he jumped in because that these kids have a place. It does hurt those other kids, but you talked about it, Larry. You look at um, the schools now, like a Bethune or a FAMU or even a West Florida, you have St. Thomas University down here. I think that the portal, um, is going to help them with the high school kids that, like you said, some you're going to see more Pierre Garçon type situations where these kids that fell through the cracks at the high school level go to these smaller schools, and these schools are going to benefit it. And you're going to start to see some, you know, NFL type players eventually come through these programs. What are your thoughts like that? That there could be that possibility of more of a Pierre Garçon going to Mount Union or one of these schools of West Florida uh, or one of the lesser schools. Um, not the, the non-division one schools. What are your thoughts about that? No doubt. I mean, and I'll give you a perfect example. And you watched them last couple of years, Anthony Johnson from Miami, New Orleans. He's at West Florida. 
And you can't tell me that kid couldn't have lined up at a lot of schools. I mean, uh, there are a lot of guys. And, and you mentioned St. Thomas University, but you look at Southeastern University in Lakeland, who are really benefiting from the talent that Polk County has. And, and uh, that's, you know, I mean, it, that to me is huge. And, and you mentioned a lot of those schools, you know, Stetson's in a, a different type of uh, situation because they're, they're just a really highly academic school. And, you know, to go there, you can't, they, they don't have any kids that you have to work with in the classroom. They're getting kids that are ready-made, but, but there are those schools. And I think the NAIA, especially in Florida, and you look at Kaiser and the job that Doug Sosha has done, what they do is they have the ability to get those kids in the kids that come back. Uh, and uh, I think that's important. FIU, FAU are, are on that path uh, as well. You look at FAU, they've got a ton of kids. Uh, Nikosi Perry is a perfect example of a, a guy that kind of got lost over at Miami. Now he's kind of had a little bit of a resurgence at FAU. And, and I think that McIntyre at FIU is doing the same thing. I think the the program that really needs to get in step only because they're not going to be big 12, you know, is a program like USF. Uh, they're going to need to really capitalize on the talent uh, that that's in that area. And they they've done it in the past, but not to the point where uh, it's a necessity. And I think with their facilities and with their, uh, with their coaching and with the school itself, uh, I think that, once again, I think that they can spike, but they remember they it's not now Gus Malzahn has an opportunity to go out and talk to the recruits and said, you know, within two years, we're going to be a power five school. And um, and I think that's important. I think the kids, you know, I mean, if they have an opportunity uh, and, and I think that's going to cut into the big three. Well, it should because, you know, uh, you look at UCF, uh, they have sixty four thousand students which is the largest on campus behind Arizona state one campus facility. Uh, they're in Orlando and what they, what the best thing about a UCF is they may be in Orlando, but they're in an area, not unlike like a Gainesville or Starkville because there's really nothing out on the East side. So yeah, I just think there's a lot of good selling points for a lot of schools. And I think Florida schools will benefit because you have a lot of the talent and, uh, and the kids come back. We, we saw USF as this potential 15 years ago. I think me, you, Corey, we sat down there when um, Coach O'Leary had taken over. But we saw the potential of that program. And they understood. Uh, they got ahead of it. They built the, you know, the, the football facility uh, and stadium on campus. I think that's one thing that USF's lacking um, is the stadium on campus. It makes a huge difference playing in the Citrus Bowl and then playing – on campus, I remember going to the Texas game that year, the opening game, and it was sold out. You never saw that at UCF. But, Larry, the one thing, to follow up on the whole portal thing, you know, you had a chance to uh, speak to Mike Norvell the other day, and you see him using the portal. I'm of the belief that the portal, like free agency in football, is good to fill certain needs. Um, I don't believe it's the way you build your football team. I still think you have to go through the high school ranks and kind of develop kids Kind of follow up on that, what your thoughts of, can you build a championship caliber team and the NCAA make the playoffs with a team exclusively with portal kids uh, and almost like how Kansas State used to build their team with uh, JUCO kids? Do you feel like you could build a team like that or do you think that 
they like a program like Florida State and how Miami did with Manny, that you have to pull back a little bit on that and still go after the high school kids. You can enhance your team. I don't think you can build it. I think you can definitely enhance it because you look at these high school kids and they're recruited for 18 months by these college coaches. And they know all about them, character-wise, family-wise. You don't really get that chance from portal kids because they they bring in a whole different uh, you know, a, a whole different thing because of the fact that they're already established and, and you don't know them. So to me, I think there's good and bad. The chemistry may not be a fit. It's like I said, you know, you look at the guys that Miami uh, brought into the transfer portal, like a parish, uh, you know, somebody like that. I mean, who was an upper tier running back coming out of high school and here Ole Miss had an opportunity to kind of deal with them a little bit and find out. See, Miami didn't really know a whole lot because especially with this regime, because they didn't recruit them. So that's what I'm saying is there's good and bad. Uh, but what you got to do, you got to be kind of selective. And you see, there's a lot of schools that are uh, right now, they're running to the point where we got to get a kid. we got to get a kid. And they're not looking if that kid's going to bring some luggage with them. And that can affect the whole you know, program and you got to have a strong team, but no, they can't, you can't never build a, a program based on, on the portal kids. You have to, like you said, yeah, you have to go back and recruit. And that's the one thing I thought, thought that was missing the last couple of years, especially with COVID is they got out of that, you know, they had these events, but they didn't pay as much attention to the kids as they had in the past. So, but I think that's going to change now. Uh, there's all these schools not just in the state, but everywhere have enough events now where they're getting a lot of kids. I see that. I think FAU is doing something really good. Dave Kelly uh, sent a little flyer with their having on June 1st is they've left some scholarship open uh, scholarships open for Juco kids and also kids who are, uh, you know, transfers. And I think that's great because you're giving these kids an opportunity during a camp and a tryout uh, to, to get themselves a scholarship. And I think that's hats off to Willie Taggart for doing that. Uh, you know, giving them that opportunity. Uh, you got to do something. You got to be more creative. And I think that schools like FAU and, and hopefully with McIntyre at FIU, you're going to do the same thing. I know that coach Scott, he's got, he's surrounding himself with people who can recruit. Coach Trickett now is his offensive coordinator. Good dude. Been a lot of places. Uh, guys like that you win with because he knows the landscape. People trust him. The high school kid coaches trust him. And, yeah, that's – I think you got to go back to the basics, Charles, and and a lot of these schools have. Well, you know, it's touched on a few things. I was uh, quoted in uh, – the our buddy Manny Navarro wrote, in, uh, wrote a big story. He was contributed to a big story and the athletic on USF that I was uh, quoted in quite a bit. Um, and, you know, you're, you're both right in the sense that, you know, they, they do have to take more, like USF has to take more advantage of the talent in the area. I, you know, I come out and said that really, you know, that, that Jim Levitt and Willie Taggart had success there. They weren't really focusing on Hillsborough kids because the Hillsborough County coaches didn't really like either one of them. They they got kids from Hillsborough, but they had to, you know, they had to kind of go through other other routes to get those kids because the coaches weren't as crazy about them. And in both cases, both 
Taggart and Leverett said, well, fine, you know, we'll go to Polk County, we'll go to Pinellas. And, and both both guys really worked that, you know, worked I-75, like I said, from like the Skyway Bridge down, where you can find terrific players. Like, I love players in Sarasota County. The good ones in Sarasota and Manatee County are as good as anybody in the state because they're tough kids. They give you, they give you kind of, you know, the one thing I like, I mean, Fish really liked, you know, being in Polk County for as long as I was, you just love that toughness, you know, that you just might not see in certain areas. But, you know, you get down to Sarasota County, Manatee County, Fort Myers, like you're getting tough kids. You're getting kids that, you know, if they can play, they can play, they're competitive, you right. know. So, and, and USF has had, you know, USF has a better reputation. I always said this. They have a better reputation in those areas, and even down in Miami and Broward than they do in the Tampa Bay area because those kids down in, that you get further south down on I-75, they they want the opportunity. Yeah. They're not they're not so picky about oh I don't want to go to the school it's the computer school is this is that they're like you know the hell with it they got helmets they play games they're on TV let's strap it on. I, I always felt like USF had to like oversell themselves to the Hillsborough County schools and it's like listen you know what I, I, the, the, the school could give a lot of kids in that area the opportunity. Um, we've discussed it. I think a lot of the kids that have gone to like Armwood uh, probably would have been better off going there than a power five school. Uh, hmm. But a lot of the kids in that area, I think have overinflated value of where, where they should go. And USF's really not a bad option. Like they, they just overlook it. And that's why they have done better in Hills uh, in Pinellas County, Polk County, uh, Manatee County. And because those kids are just willing to go anywhere. They want to play football. They don't care. It's a Division One school. They play big time opponents, and they want that opportunity to play. Where, like I said, the kids in Tampa that are really good, they—I don't want to say they think USF's beneath them, but they just don't really look at USF as an option. And I—it's kind of you've seen that with other programs, like even with you know our friends up at Rutgers. A lot of times with the top programs in New Jersey, Rutgers is like a third or four option, and when, until you know it's time for them to come back when they transfer back. But um, USF, we've talked about it, Corey. They, they really had the same – they were ahead of UCF. Uh, they were boat racing UCF at one point as a program. But U, UCF was a more aggressive program. They saw what their potential was. They sold their program different. A lot of that's leadership at the top. Um, where, where do you feel like USF is going to go from here, though? Like, what, what, where do they go uh, in, in the future of college football, in your opinion? I tell you this, and I'm sorry. I mean, I, I jump in real fast. I'll tell you, they just got USF just got a commitment from this quarterback at Baylor. I think his name is a uh, Gary Bohannon. I think is his name. Yeah, yeah. And I, I text one of their, I text one of their, 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 their assistants about it, and he basically said, you know, forget us talk about culture change. We've changed the culture. It's time for us to blank and win. It's time for us to win football games. Yeah. And, like, cause they, they, I think they had the like USF has a good young kid at quarterback. This kid Timmy McLean, I like him. He's young. Right. He's got some potential. But I get where they're coming from. You know, they looked at the close games that they lost last year, and this might be my issue with Mike Norvell at Florida State. Like USF looked at some of the close games they lost last year and realized that bringing in a fifth year kid that's got experience, that's got P five experience, that's won games at a large school. Maybe he helps us get over the hump of those close games during the course of a year. 
maybe he gets us to that six or seven win mark where we're stuck at four right now. Well, this kid won a Big 12 championship last year. So, I mean, it just, you know, he's he's won. And that winning, like, you have to bring winners into your program. You know, it's just, that's, you're not going to lose. If your kids are used to playing on five and seven teams, those kids are five and seven players at the end of the day. You are what your record is. And that was and that was one of my concerns with Mike Norvell this summer is that you had an opportunity to make you played some good, better football, you know, in the final half of the season. You had an opportunity. You went out that you needed to go reach high for a quarterback. You know, I understand they did the year before with Milton, and that didn't work. But you know, Milton was a, a special situation with his medical history. You had an opportunity to reach high for a quarterback. Bring in some real competition. Bring in somebody that can really help you get over that hump. Help you help Florida State football get back to at least a bowl level. I didn't do it. And yeah. you put yourself in a position where I get even if you like Jordan Travis as much as they do, his injury concerns have to be a factor because there's nobody behind him. Yeah. You know, I wanted to follow that up, Corey. You know, you bring up Florida State. Um, Larry just had Mike Norvell on his radio show. Larry, um, listen, Corey and I think Mike Norvell's a very, very good X's and O's coach. That's not we, – we honestly believe that, you know, you go look at them last year, he could scheme up great plays. I, I think he's very good at uh, getting the max out of the talent that he has. You look at their backfield. Jay Sean Corbin was a very productive back. He didn't even get drafted. They have a walk-on in Trey Sean Ward. Um, he, he gets a lot out of what he has. You know, you look at, you know, you spoke to him, and um, you look at what – this is a very critical year just because, you know, one, anytime you're in year three, you know, Seminole fans out there, you know, are on edge because Florida State hasn't been a good program in about four or five years. They've had – it's the first time – since I've been alive, that they've had a run like this. I mean, you're talking back in the '70s. You know, what do you, how, how do they get out of this? And do you believe that Norvell is going to get the, the the program in the right direction? And where 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 do they have to change? What do they need to change to get back to Florida State football? In your opinion? Well, you and I talked about it. I think coaching has a lot to do with it and recruiting. I mean, Odell's a good dude, but uh, you know, there's other guys now that are more vibrant, more, you know, younger, more in tune. Uh, and I think they're coaching, uh, you know, they're going to have to kind of tweak their coaching a little bit. He doesn't make a lot of changes in his coaching. I know he's loyal to those guys. He knew them. He brought them in from the beginning. You and I had a chance to meet them when they first got here up in Boca Raton and they had that meet and greet. And, uh, you know, you get a sense that, you know, they come in here and they, a couple of them look like uh, deers with, uh, with the lights in their, you know, in their eyes because they don't understand. ACC is a, a big boy conference now. I mean, you know, you're getting more and more programs. The pits are starting to get much better. We know how, how they're recruiting. I just think that they're going to have to recruit better. And the only way to do that is get an opportunity. You know the way I feel about the kid. Uh, that they got from UCF. I think he's one of the best linebackers in the state. You know, I watched him at Central Bethune for three years. The kid was a beast. I mean, you know, I mean, and there's a guy like that. You got to bring in more of those type of kids. But from the beginning, as you said, Charles, they got to develop those guys. They can't just rely on the portal. He's done well on them. 
uh, with the portal, but I think you have uh, you have to win. And yeah. five and seven is not going to get yeah. you a lot of these marquee kids. You got to be in the conversation with for the Brandon Ennises and yeah. you know the Ray Ray Josephs and guys like that. Uh, you just can't you can't just let them skip out of you know out of the out of the state without at least fighting for them. And I think that's one of the things. The recruiting has been lax because they're not winning, and nobody wants right. to go to a place that's not going to be in the mix. See, that's the 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 situation is. I mean, you know what? No one's asking you to win a national championship, but get to a bowl game, you know, I mean, and let these kids have a little bit of exposure. And that's all they're asking because there's only going to be one team standing on the podium at the end. And it's right now it's, it's going to be Georgia or Alabama. Larry, let me follow that up. All right. You know, one of my big concerns, and listen, like I said, I have a ton of respect for Mike Norvell and what he, what he, he can do as a coach. One of my concerns when he got, got the job, was a lack of ties with Florida coaches on the staff. You know, you bring up Pitt, all right? Charlie Partridge, we've known him for 20 years, 30 years now. I mean, the guy played down here. He's a great coach. I I almost feel like you got to overpay and bring Charlie back to Florida. Someone like that. Um, you know what? Another coach that I have a lot of respect for, Nick Monroe at Syracuse and what he's done. Do you feel like – they need like he needs to go out and get. I mean, he went after Jay Wan Sire this last offseason. Do, do you almost feel like they have to go out and get some of those guys? And you know, you bring up the NIL. How much of it's NIL or or you know, paying these kids, or is it just they need some guys that just know the lay of the land down here that coaches trust, uh, high school coaches that they that they can go out and recruit these guys, the James Coley's of the world, the uh, Charlie Partridge's, like I said, Nick Monroe's. There's other guys that have come down here and had a ton of success. Um, there's a guy at Oklahoma right now, Jay Valai, who was at Rutgers in Alabama um, and is now at Oklahoma. That I think is a very – do they need to get those type of guys on their staff to turn this around, or, or can he get it done with the guys that are there? No, I agree with what you said. You, If you have to overpay for a Charlie Partridge, you do it. Here's a, a guy that basically is in tune with everybody. Um, and, I mean, here's a guy that arguably is – Coach some pretty decent guys with Jabal Sheard and J.J. Watt, and guys like that who, who you know, you have everybody's attention. Uh, and I agree. I Somebody like that, you know, I, I think uh, a guy who's on his way up and he's got promoted to a uh, an offensive coordinator, I, I like Trick. I think he's a good guy. He's He makes everybody feel at ease. The coaches like him. The kids like him. Uh, Cider is another one. Yeah, you got to strike gold with one of those guys because – I think if you get Charlie or or uh, Juwan or any of those Nick uh, Monroe, what happens is is they kind of lead by example, and then the rest of the coaches see because they're saying, "Geez, how are they pulling this guy? How are he pulling that guy?" Well, you got to watch him. You got to see what he does. You got to see his, you know, his. He did, it didn't come overnight for Charlie. Charlie had to work his ass off, you know, to to get to this point, but. You know, he'll go places now and he's just so well respected. And look at he's doing. He's getting kids to play from South Florida and the state of Florida to go up to Pittsburgh. You know, I mean, and and they're making a difference. You know, a couple of them are playing, a couple of them aren't playing. But that's, you know, and then here, you know, they're about to lose a really, really good receiver. And perhaps maybe to USC or wherever. But at the same time, they lost Pickett. They brought in Keaton Slovis, who, who's a who's a stud. 
So I think you've got to be wise on your recruiting. I think you got to have a lot of meetings. You have to, I just think that now you have to be diligent and somebody like a Charlie Partridge who can identify people, you know, whether they're in your area or not, I think it elevates your entire coaching staff. So I agree with you. You, you gotta, you gotta pay somebody good money. Uh, I know he likes it up in Pittsburgh and his family likes it, but you know what, at the end of the day, for him to come back into the state of Florida, uh, you know, I, I think that would be a great move for for FSU, especially to to strike gold with somebody like that. Because right now they're kind of stagnant. And yeah. I'm not taking any shots at Odell because I love Odell, but Odell's not Charlie Partridge. You know, Odell's, Odell's a problem there. I do think if you bring Charlie Partridge onto that staff, let him be the DN's coach, he basically brings Odell like Odell always does well with other guys around him when he has yeah. top end yeah. recruiters next to him he brings an elite to, like Odell does as well as the guys around him and I think yeah. when he has top like guys around him his game gets to another level I, I just think he gets it, it's he, he's a he's a team guy he, he's as good as the players around him no different um I just you know like I said hey listen I think all three of us are will be Charlie Partridge's agent here like hey Bring him back to you know Florida. Let him recruit. Oh yeah, <laughs> on, on oh, Florida State staff. I think he'd be unbelievable. And I think this whole idea that Florida State can't, you know, a lot of the fans right now think that they can't get kids because of the NIL. I don't think it's NIL. I'm not saying it's it's not, but it's not the reason why they signed Sam McCall last year. They signed Azare Thomas. They signed Julian Armella. Kids still want to go there. If you get guys that know coaches down here and they can relate to these guys. They're going to be able to pull in big time players. That's just my belief. Um, uh, it's no Florida, different than Florida and Miami. I still believe if you have the right guys, you can pull in top players. Florida State has like three different NIL collectives right now. That's yeah. three more than USC has. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's not like you know they're 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 they they have got that part. I mean, they just have to bring in players. You know, I, I say Odell is the problem. Like Odell recruiting next to. You know, DJ Elliott and Charles Kelly, he's a lot better recruiter than he is next to, you know, John Papuchis and Adam Fuller, you know, who aren't at that level as recruiters. So, you know, like I said, I don't see Odell necessarily being the problem, but I do in general see a malaise on that staff that's more of the issue for me of that it's just, it's guy, it's guys that are taking no way too easily. Well, the one guys thing is, that take no for an answer way too easily. Corey, the one thing is, and we've talked about this, the logo on your shirt gets you the front of the line. There's not one kid that's not going to listen to a coach that walks in with the Florida State logo. I mean, I, you walk in there, you have the kid's attention. I don't care if it's Miami, Florida, Florida State. All three of those schools can get a kid's attention. I mean, Norvell and their staff have done a great job of getting their top flight kids on campus multiple times just like they did with the Marius Mims, but there's a message, the closing message or how they're doing it. Um, th- they've lost some of these kids and it, I don't know. I, I'm not in those meetings, so I don't know how it is, but there's something that they got to do a little different to close th- that deal at the end. They've had the, like we've talked about, they have a lot of these kids on campus. They, they, they get in these kids top five. And the next thing you know, the kid decides to go somewhere else. So there's something that there's missing there. And I just think that that's something that guys like Charlie Partridge, they understand how to close that deal. Coley understands how to close that deal. They understand these kids from this state that 
they know how to get they, they don't they're not in that friend zone they know how to finish the deal and land these kids and i just think they need at least one or two of those guys on the staff uh and i think it, you'd see the results right away I, I i honestly think if you brought one of those guys back and i don't care if you have to overpay for them you bring a coley back they're going to land these big time kids and it, 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 the nil is just enhancing what they do they will use that as a tool in their tool bucket instead of it being the end all be all of oh this is the only way we're going to land kids everybody thinks oh jimbo's landing kids just because they're paying all these kids top end flight not nah, jimbo could flat out recruit and that's why they're landing those kids the nil is just icing on the cake i also think it has a little bit to do with just the the want to bring in those sort of kids in your camp bring have those big time kids in your program you gotta want it you know and i don't know that I've always seen the want out of certain staffs. You know, I, I mean, yeah, you like to have those kids, but are you willing to really fight to get in those recruiting battles for them? And that's where I see things lacking a little bit. You know, it's like, you know, when, when we continue with Florida State as an example. It's, you know, I hear, oh, we need to, we need this guy to help us get into Georgia. We need to get into, te- no, you need to get into Florida. You know, uh, you know, they had a kid leave recently, uh, a, 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 a Texas defensive back. His name was Hunter Washington or something. Hunter, Hunter Washington, I think, was his name. Yeah. And, you know, he was a pretty decently rated player. And he left because he got beat out by uh, Omari and Cooper and Kevin Knowles, a kid that's right in your backyard. Kevin Knowles went to MacArthur High School. Kevin Knowles. Not really a not a big time Broward kid. We agree, not like one of your top end Broward recruits. Walked in there, stole that kid's lunch money. Basically, him and two and Amari and Cooper's from I think Fort Myers. Like, get those kids. Those kids will play for you. Those kids will win for you. You know, quit quit trying to win battles in Knoxville. Yeah, I mean, you see, you've seen it. Why Rutgers, Pittsburgh, these programs have turned their programs around. They did it on the backs of kids from this state and and you know that's just how it's been larry could tell you that the history of the kids that come from the state how many times i mean you go look at alabama i mean how many kids from the state of florida do they have to keep stealing for you to realize that this state there's a reason why there's more coaches that come to this state than pretty much any other state every spring because the talent even the second and third tier kids are just better than any other state it's just it's the depth and the talent um well, i mean you, you bring up you bring up charlie partridge he he got greg romeus from coral glades high school he got jabal sheard from hollywood hill every school down here and larry will back this up every school has at least pretty much like one division one kid i i, I mean i went to dillard the other day and they had a kid that was for, at spanish river in boca i didn't even didn't realize Spanish River had a Division One kid. This kid, Marlon Huff, goes to Dillard this year. He's a 6'3", 220-pound linebacker. These kids are all over the place, and this kid has Division One offers from everybody. He's better looking than any FSU linebacker right now. Like, what? you know, those are the type of kids you got to take a flyer on because he's a big physical kid. He can play at a high level because he's he'll be able to take on blocks. He'll be able to do some things. Yeah, he's a little limited in pass coverage, but you know what? It, the guys that are good at pass coverage and can also stop the run and do all those things are NFL first round picks. Everybody's looking for that linebacker. I just think you have to upgrade from what you have. And that's what a, you can find these kids at any school. 
and they have to do their own legwork. They can't be listening to people and telling them, hey, there's this kid here. You got to go. And that's the one thing I'll, I'll give Butch Davis a lot of credit back in the Miami days is that he used to tell me, he goes, you know what? I'll take advice on somebody, but I got to go see him. I want to go watch this kid. I want to see what he does and not just in a shirt and, and, and a pair of shorts. And you know what? You could tell a lot watching a scrimmage about a kid. You really can. A lot more than watching him on a seven-on-seven circuit. So, yeah, I think that that's the deal, too. I think that these they, they don't recruit good enough. They really don't. They'll, they'll go and see the obvious and see that. And Charles and I talked about that, Corey that these guys will go and see the Marvin Joneses, but what about the guys who are pretty damn good right next to them or, you know, somewhere else you got to, and, and that's the thing when Miami, I think uh, somebody, uh, they went to recruit a player, you know, that everybody was raving about. And then they saw somebody else and that kid became a pretty decent football player. Well, that's what, that, that was Daryl Williams back in the day. Yeah. Daryl Williams played at American high school. I think, um, they had the safety that went to uh, Florida State. Corey Bailey or no? Um, I, I don't think – no, I think it was Shevin, not Shevin Smith. One of the guys that played at American at the same time. And oh, 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 I remember uh, Key, uh, not Key. Was it Key? No. Sean Key. It may have been Sean, Sean Key. Key. That's and there was Daryl Williams. Uh, Miami found this kid that was playing right next to him, and, and the kid ended up a first-round pick. That, they're, they're on every street corner yeah. down here. And but you got to identify him, Charles, and that's the thing. Yeah, and and but the the one the one thing is too, Larry, and I think that a lot of coaches make this mistake, and I I believe you'll agree with this. You don't have to find like don't be a hero in recruiting. Like we've talked about it, you're not like Florida State, Miami, Florida. The kids that belong at that school, you shouldn't have to ask the coach who they are. They should. You go to practice, and those kids look different. They act different. They walk different. They have they have a different walk, you know, swag about them, whatever you want to call it, but they have a different personality. Like you shouldn't have to try to find kids and go, Oh man, this is the type of kid. I think that's, you know, you go back to even when Al Golden was at Miami, he was always trying to be, to find these kids that nobody else would find. And it's like, Hey, listen, it's fine if you find one or two, but this is Miami kids that should be here. You shouldn't have to try this hard or work this hard to find them. You're not at Temple anymore. And I think that's one of the things they need to do at Florida State. It's like, hey, listen, the Sam McCalls, the Azarus Thomases, there's a reason why they were four and five-star kids and why they're the kids that are making the biggest impact. It's because those are the kids that belong at your school. And I, I just think that sometimes these guys want to find that hidden gem. And you know what? That's great at FAU or FIU or even at USF. But at Florida State or Miami or Florida, you should not have to work that hard. That hidden gem thing, it's such an ego thing. It's so, it's this belief, and I, I know a lot of coaches feel this way. They'll never admit it. But it's this belief that they think in their minds, oh, Nick Saban isn't that great. Oh, Kirby Smart isn't that great. Because they just have teams full of talent and just globs of NFL talent, globs of five-star talent and whatever. So we're, you know, they're, we don't want to go that route. We want to go pick a, you know, we want to go find that gem so we can pat ourselves on the back for finding some kid that nobody else heard of. And it's a bunch of BS. Go get the talented players. Go do what they're doing. What they're doing wins. You know, and I, I just think, but I also think it's just 
those coaches, like the Al Goldens, like I guess even Mike North, it's the lack of experience at big time programs that are, that's on their resume. You're not at places where, you know, you're going to be at places where they've competed for championships to understand what it takes to build a championship program. You know, I mean, you, you can't find that. You don't find that at Temple or Memphis or Arizona State or, you know, you find that being in, you know, you find it just in a couple of years in a top program in the SEC, a couple of years in yeah. a top program in the Big 12. You find it, you know, or not Big 12, Big 10, excuse me. You find it if you've been at, spent a little time at Oklahoma, a little time at USC, even a little time at Oregon. Like, you know, it's just a different mentality of how you do things. And I, I think that I think it's a big deal. I really do. I think it's a huge deal if you just haven't spent, you know, a, even an internship year at a program that expects to compete for championships. You've got to know what it's like to do that. And it's not going out there trying to find this, uh, this three-star gym in Pennsylvania that nobody else is on. It's, you know, battling for the kids that are going to make a difference in your program. Larry, before we jump off this call, you know, um, the Zoom, you, you, you've had a chance to see Miami this offseason, University of Miami, um, also some of the Florida stuff. What are, you, what are your thoughts on both of those programs, what Mario's doing down there, what Billy Napier is doing up at Florida, what your expectations are? And can the, you get back to the level that the fan – you know, the fan base, we've talked about it for a long time. They've been wanting to get back for so long. Do these programs, where do you see them moving forward, both programs? Well, with Miami, you know, I mean, this is a situation uh, that uh, you got the coach now and he's got a staff and uh, he's got an objective. And that's the one thing uh, that I noticed. I mean, they weren't a whole lot different in the spring game that I went to see. It's just that I mean, because I arguably they have one of the best quarterbacks in the country and he's going to do his thing. But their offensive line needs work. Their front seven is they, probably they have the worst linebacking core they've had in a long time. Um, so they're a work in progress. I think that they're, you know, they're, they're going to try to fill some holes. But I think over the next three years, they're in really good hands. They're starting to recruit real well. I think with Florida, I mean, let's face it, guys. I mean, we're looking at that Alabama game and, Everyone's going, geez, they could have beaten Alabama and heaven knows what would happen. And then everything went uh, south. So we know they have talent. Um, and I think Napier comes from the school like Mario and it has done enough under, um, um, you know, under Nick Saban and also uh, at Clemson. So he knows. Um, and I think Florida's in real good hands. I they're going to, they, they, they recruit extremely well. He's going to, you know, he's hiring the best of the best to do what they could do. Uh, you know, they got people, I mean, they got some really good coaches up there and, yeah. and I, what, yeah, I think, this? and then, you know, the way I feel about FSU, I just yeah. think Norvell, he gets a couple of assistants and I think he's on the track. I've watched yes. what he's done in the past. I've watched him at Memphis. Um, and then, you know, it's as long as, like you said, if you you got to bring in somebody to light a fire under that recruiting, because I don't think that's going to be the case at Florida or Miami. I think they have guys that understand recruiting and know what it takes. I just think that that's what FSU is lacking now, that one big time recruiter that's going to start bringing in a bunch of guys. Yeah. 
Yeah. What's well, crazy about Billy Napier, I, I have one story. I remember Kevin Steele was at Clemson at the time, and he's like, Fish, I want you to meet our assistant coach. Like, he was a positional coach, I think a wide receiver coach at the time, and he's like, Billy Napier is going to be a big-time head coach one day. And I always like, those are the guys I want to follow their careers because yeah. it's interesting to see the career path on someone like that. We saw with Lincoln Riley, we were on him when he was a wide receiver at Texas Tech. Uh, I, I go back to Chip Kelly when he used to come down here for New Hampshire. I think coaches, the good ones, are like recruits. The ones that are really good just stand out. At a, and you see them early on in their careers, and you see that path going. And it's going to be – the only thing with Napier in Florida is that I think he could get the job done. There's no question that. It's just – is that fan, that fan base is just not patient. I mean, they just fired a coach – Two coaches that went to the SEC yeah. championship games. Yes, they lost Alabama, but the re the reality is, Florida's behind Alabama and Georgia, and they're not. It's they're they're trailing them by a big margin. So you got to be patient with a coach like that. And I don't know if the Gator fans are patient enough. I mean, I just don't know. Like their yeah. their fan base and their boosters, every time they lose a game, they want to fire a coach, and and that mentality. Like Napier's got his hands full. He's there's talent on that roster, but it, there's not a lot of depth. They're not as good as Georgia. I mean, I watched Georgia's spring game, and honestly, there's no drop-off. Like, Georgia's a top three, four team in the country next year. And, like, they're two years away from really competing head-to-head -head with Georgia, two, three years away. And I don't, I don't know if their fan base is willing to wait that long. Like, they, they just – they got to be patient. And, and I know have a, Florida needs to have a bad season this year, and I think that kind of <laughs> – like, you need to lower the expectations yeah. of where you can raise them back up. Yep. You know, if anything I give Mike North enough credit for is he's lowered expectations at Florida State. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, man, seven, seven, eight wins is like, oh, my God, man. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. yeah. they ain't got no expectations. He did a real good job at making, making Florida State seem like it's, you know, like it's Tulsa or something, you know. So, I think <laughs> I think if they're going to have a bad – like, the thing is, no one started out too well. McElwain started out too well. They came out the gate making the SEC tournament, winning 11 games, winning the power six. He's like, you can only go, like, either you got to go up and just win championships or you go back down. Yeah. I mean, no one literally had half of a bad season. And they're yeah. like, we're done. We're yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. You can't recruit. You. Everybody wrote about how he couldn't recruit. I'm like, what? Where is this coming from? Yeah. It was the strangest thing I'd ever seen. By far. By far. I mean, there, there's a season last year that he's probably lays in bed and he goes, what the hell happened? <laughs> what happened? Jesus. I'm sitting there on the top of the uh, of the heap, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's he's terrible. And I'm I thinking, mean, wow, Larry, that was I think bad. Larry, I think me and Corey and Demo had about five podcasts praising what a great coach he was, and the guy six weeks later is out of a job. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I think Mullen's one of the best college coaches there are, and one of the best play callers. I understand he he has some flaws in recruiting, but I, listen, there's no perfect co like coaches have flaws. You either have the guy that's a great X's and O's, and they're very good, and I think that's what Mullen is, and they lack a little bit in recruiting. But I think when you you have a coach like that, you have to put a staff around you that can overcome some of your limitations as, as a recruiter, and that's how you win. Um, but I thought Mullen was a great coach. I, I, I'm i pretty sure you're going to see him back in college football real soon, and, 
and and win a lot of ball games. But it's just crazy how this thing works out. This business is it's changed a lot from when I first got into it, and I know it sure hell changed a lot since you got into it. But um, it's going to be interesting to see how these three programs are. Uh, Larry, I'd like to just say, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. My pleasure, guys. Um, and and honestly, as a friend, I'm glad you're healthy and back to normal, man. We we were worried about you. You're a great friend, not only to me, but what you've done in my career and helped me in this business. I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for someone like you, honestly. And I think I appreciate Corey it. Say I, the same thing. So I enjoy it. I thank you guys for having me in. Uh, it's been like four years since uh, you started this, and I haven't been on, so I figured <laughs> – It'd be well, any year now before I well, get Oh, yeah. There. We'll bring you. I mean, we got to still talk about this rural FHSAA, rural metro. All right. stupid. We'll you sure you don't want to get Josh Wilson for that? No, no I actually <laughs> don't want to get Josh Wilson for that. We're gonna, we'll talk to you. We'll do, we'll, do, we'll do it early, you know, when the when the season gets closer. But I, All I right. too, we, we only shoot for whales, man. You're a whale. Exactly. Uh, You're a whale. Yeah, I'm glad. Right. I, I too, I'm just glad you're feeling better. I think about all the you know, the wonderful, you know, publications that we put out in the, you know, last, in the early parts of the decade, you know, back in 2006, 07, 08, 10, 11, you know, and it just was, uh, those were great times. So I'll be, uh, at, I'll be at USF the second week. So drop by. Oh, absolutely. I'll be, that's right. You're going to be on your, uh, are you going to do your Florida state league uh, baseball tour again? Are yes, I will. I, uh, I'm excited about that as well, but, uh, getting, I'll be at UCF for all three of their seven on sevens and uh, okay. be at USF as well for their, their mega camp where they had eight. I was there last year. They had 870 kids. Oh, wow. Uh, oh yeah. It was crazy. Plus uh, I think Jeff Scott's a good dude. I like him. I agree. I like Jeff Scott too. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy that I'm happy that he's gotten a little aggressive this fall to try to win some games because I was worried. I'm like, I don't know if they're going to like you if you have another two and ten season, pal. Like that ain't, right, you know, right. they like you a lot less. But and you, and I keeping, appreciate it. And you're keeping Florida State League baseball and, and, and functioning functioning in the black too. So that's right. So the FSL appreciates. I'm sure the FSL appreciates that you're uh, still here and that you're getting healthy too because they need those ticket sales. I you know. know. Clearwater well, Threshers absolutely need those ticket sales. I Larry, we'll send you a link, man. Just pump up uh, the podcast on through your network. We'll send you a link and everything. But once again, we appreciate you coming All on. All right, guys. Uh, Thank Corey, you. man. Give give everybody uh Larry, where how can people uh find you, your social media stuff? Like where where do we get a hold of Larry Bluestein's information? Uh, Larry Bluestein, this B-L-U-S-T-E-I-N. You can get me on Twitter, Facebook, uh, and also at uh, Instagram on Our Boy B-L-U. And then we have a radio show every Monday night on WQAM uh, in Miami. We have college coaches from all over. We have Mario Cristobal beyond this week. Um, we've had Coach Norvell, as, as you as you meant, uh, mentioned, a couple of other schools that We've had all the smaller schools, FAU, FIU, and then uh, Prep Red Zone Florida, which is uh, uh, really done well. We do the entire state. We're doing preview after preview of teams from Pensacola to Key West. So that's it. I appreciate you guys. Time to uh, head off and eat some lunch. No problem, absolutely. Corey. You you give our stuff now, man. It's, it's... yeah, absolutely. Are you gonna shoot that bird? I'm surprised that bird is still alive. All right. Oh yeah, that bird needs to go, man. I, I, watched, bird, 
I got to tell that bird I got a hot pan of oil for it. <laughs> hey, we got, we're down to one, we're down to one dog. Other than the two we have, we, we, you know, we had, we had like four pups and two dogs and now we're, but yeah, the bird needs to go, man. We the gotta, bird, yeah, that bird is not, that bird, I tell you, that bird, that bird, like I said, I got a bubbling hot pan of oil and I can dump that bird. That bird can fly and survive. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going down. Oh, man. Uh, you can find us at the Fish Podcast on Twitter. Of course, you can listen to this podcast or any other, any other of our over 50 episodes, wherever you find podcasts at. That's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify iHeartRadio, uh, SoundCloud, you name it. Uh, Justin Otto is our producer. He's recovering from COVID, so get better, Justin. Oh, he got COVID. Oh my Yeah, that's God. why. That's why uh, we have a, You know, that's why we're, we're a little behind on posting. Yeah, he uh, he got COVID outside of his house, so he wasn't like around his computer. And I, God like forbid, I, I didn't. I didn't think you could get COVID playing Grand Theft Auto all day. Yeah, like, what the heck? Was, did somebody like up. did somebody like pump that through the air condition? He doesn't leave his house. Like, how did I, he get COVID? I'm hoping he didn't get separated from like his Xbox One because if he did, I, I feel like it would have been like. Crazy. Dude, I think like somebody went through his house and was pumping it through the air conditioning unit. I mean, like he lives in a basement too, so I don't know how the hell he got COVID. However, he got COVID. I'm glad he's <laughs> feeling better. Oh, Justin, man. Come on, buddy. I haven't spoke to him in a while. I had no idea he had COVID. Yeah. You should speak to your nephew every now and then. My God. Uh, listen, hey, man, I sent him the money, man. That's all that matters, man. That's really all that matters. <laughs> all right. Well, let's, yeah, let's, uh, we're going to get back up next week. Justin, Justin ain't never going to give us this episode at this rate. So. I know, man. It's yeah. all good. We'll be back real soon. Uh, hey, Fish, have a great week. Enjoy some time off now that you're done with baseball coaching. Yeah. Tell Ethan, you know, get prepared for the flag football season next week. Nah, he's going to play, play tackle football in the fall, but not right now you have an all-star team that he's going to be part of in a month. So it's like a month of like playing all the top all-stars in that area. So. Oh, all right, all right. Well, yeah. good. We'll keep following young Ethan's career. Yeah. And, uh, buddy, you take care. You have a good week, and we'll, we'll be back to you real soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Talk to you later, man. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.